It's no accident that sounds like you're leveling up in a video game. 48% of 18 to 29 year olds have an online dating profile. Make them work for it. 45% of people say they're more frustrated with this form of dating than hopeful. There are so many people you can connect with. Should I swipe right? Swipe wrong. Swipe wrong. Setting the record straight on dating apps. Everyday people telling everyday stories of the swipe right world with your host, Chaos. Well, I know he had a good time. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, and of course, good night. How you doing? Hopefully you're doing outstanding. Welcome to the Swipe Wrong Podcast. I am Chaos. I'm the guy that's going to help you get, well, navigate you through some of the madness that we have going on here. Um, so, oh, it's also the number one podcast amongst people who use blow up dolls as a passenger so they can get into the carpool lane. I know who you are. My eye is on you. Please don't get a ticket. It, it, that's going to be awkward to explain. It, that's really going to be awkward to explain. So uh, we're going to continue with, uh, talking is well, every week for, I'm, I'm lucky enough to talk to, to, to somebody who's pretty amazing. Uh, this week is no different. I truly get to talk to one of the most amazing people that I've met in this journey of uh, swipe wrong in this, I guess, or swipe right to swipe wrong in this. Uh, but first, let's do the housekeeping. Like, follow, subscribe, uh, let your friends know what's going on with the show. Uh, email us, uh, swipewrongpod at gmail.com. And of course, of course, email or, or give a call, shoot a text, 317 426 6616. I want to know all of your stories, all the stories, everyone in your story. Like, I think when I initially talked to somebody like, well, um, do you want, do you want the dating? Just tell me your story and we'll get to whatever the crazy situation is that you have in your mind or the great situation is that you have in your mind. I just want to start with your story and that way you can get your story out there because I mean, it's it's worth a listen and it's worth telling. I promise you that. All right, moving on. So this week, um, you know, another one of those those people that I spoke with uh, with the Frank Talk Summit, um, and uh, really got to know this person. Ex- uh, I guess extremely well, very well, a little bit better than I have some of the other people who were on the panel. Uh, such a big fan of hers, like huge fan, like just one of the coolest people on the planet. She's an author. She, uh, she you, you know her like inspired life tapping. She does a lot of EFT. That is not electronic funds transfer. You will learn as the uh, episode commences. Uh, and uh, just just got a great take and a, and a great um, uh, just a great way about her. So um, I guess I'll just shut up. You know, sit back, relax, put your feet up, enjoy, uh, grab your popcorn, get it buttered if you want to. If you're in traffic, please, please, please do me a favor. Don't hit that person next to you. Check this one out. The video will be on YouTube. The audio will be on all the podcast platforms. Uh, And this is Allison Jane from Inspired Life Tapping. You also hear about her book as well. Uh, And uh, I hope you get as much out of this as I have learned from her in this whole journey. 
Disclaimer, the views and opinions expressed in this program are those of the speaker and do not necessarily reflect the views or opinions or any entities they represent. This podcast is about dating experiences. It is not to say one dating app is better or worse than another. So, you know, now that you're no longer a podcast version or a virgin, version is not the same thing all right good now that i know how to talk and you're, you're fully explored in that like what have you kind of like figured out along the way you kind of having fun with it now or has it always been fun uh for me it's always been fun yeah i love it yeah yeah, yeah. i just think it's it's great i love the banter i love i guess i do love talking about what you know my passion is which is helping midlife women to date better yeah. you know? so and for me it's like you know, you're doing something good when it's like energy rising, right? Sure. So I get on these podcasts and then I feel like really good afterwards. Like I feel jazz, like I don't feel drained, you know? Good. Yeah. So that's like sometimes. All of them? Every one of them? Like every single one you feel good afterwards? You're like, oh man, that was, that was a tough conversation. Uh, I really haven't run into that. So yeah. yeah, I think all of them. And then also like I, um, I, sorry, I just lost my train of thought on that. That's <laughs> yeah, all right. I should have just shut up and let you talk. That was my fault. No, I was just going back through all of them. And I was thinking like, which one did I struggle? There was one early on that I, I struggled because it's so as silly as it sounds. She had a lot of followers. And so I got a uh, little head. and she was a psychologist and I got a little bit like, you know, I was, I was more sort of, I think I was being more formal and more of my like, you know, therapisty brain, which is mm. like, I don't even need to do that. My therapisty brain is like, unfortunately, fortunately or unfortunately with me all the time, as my kids will tell you. So like, I, you know, but anyways, that, that did keep me a little bit more tongue tied. Yeah. 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 So. Well, no worries on that. And here you keep whatever brain you want to keep and you're good as long as you're smiling and laughing. So, uh, but so how did you get to it then? Like you, like, did, would you wake up one day and said, you know what, here's my journey. I think I can help, you know, you know, middle-aged women or, or, or older women who are dating. How'd that, how'd it come about? So it's very interesting because I, I guess I didn't really wake up one day, but well, kind of when I went through my divorce, I realized that here I am a therapist. I know all this stuff about individual psychology, how to help individuals and, and sort of diagnose and all that good stuff. And I didn't really know anything about couple psychology. And when my marriage oh. felt, it occurred to me like, maybe I should look into that a little bit. Yeah, you know? sure. I hadn't taken any classes on it or anything like that. So I, I did kind of start to do just a deep dive on all that because that's sort of my personality. I'm going to be intellectually curious and explore. And so I decided that I would um, really look into that start to get a handle on that while I was also dating. And while I started making all these single women friends who were also dating. Nice. And then it occurred to me as I was, you know, out for drinks with them or this, that, and the other, and I'd be like telling them these little tidbits and they would say, Oh, wow. You know, that's amazing. And some of it was like, sort of like basic, if you will, to a therapist, you know, using I statements, instead of saying like, you make me feel that you say, 
I feel hurt when you say blah, blah, blah. Okay. That's just like a really, really basic, like therapist one-on-one, but my, some of my friends would be like, wow, that's, that's brilliant. And it occurred yeah. to me that I had all this knowledge that I should maybe be sharing with them right. that I wasn't sharing with them. So that was step one. And then the next thing was I was initially, I was in a, a relationship for about a year when I first got divorced the first person I dated. And then once I got out of that and I was really doing the like dating, like online, like swiping wrong a lot. <laughs> <laughs> I love your face. That's awesome. Going through all the things that everybody hates about online dating. I went through all that too. And then I started putting together almost a little bit of a file in my mind. Like I came up with a title date like a goddess. I should write this book, date like a goddess. I came up with that years before I wrote the book. And I just thought I'm going to put all this information, combining my knowledge about psychology and neuroscience with my actual lived experiences and my friends lived experiences and put it together as like a guide to help women. So that was sort of how I got the idea. And then it was sort of funny. My friend who I just visited in Copenhagen and I were reliving this because her and I would meet at a coffee shop at least once a week and we would, you know, catch up and, and talk. And we all both had our own businesses. So we talk about that. And she was like, you just need to write that book of yours. That's going to be awesome. And I'm like, yeah, yeah totally. I'm going to write that book. And I think we did that for about three years. So like talked <laughs> <laughs> about it a lot in the pandemic. I even wrote an outline. I thought, okay, nice. here we go. I'm going to write my book. I'm locked in my house, you know, right. and still didn't happen. So, so the thing that happened and it's going to sound like, um, I don't know, almost like kitschy, but it is true is I used EFT tapping on myself. And that is how I cleared my own blocks to writing the damn book. (laughs) The day, write the damn book. Um, I love that. So, so, I mean, but you were doing EFT tapping before this though, right? Or does this when you first started it? So how did you, you know, get to, and then I guess for people who don't know, EFT does not stand for electronic funds transfer. What is, <laughs> what, what is it? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, it can, it can definitely open up channels. So yeah. what is it? How'd you get there? And then how did you get to like, like, did you, did you decide like, Hey, today I need to tap on the book or, or, or I, I don't know the rules. I don't know. Yeah. Tell me what the rules. <laughs> yeah. So EFT tapping is emotional freedom technique is what it stands for. Gotcha. And it's basically where we combine um, tapping on our own acupressure points. I don't tap on other people. People always ask me that question. I teach you to tap on your own acupressure points, specific ones. And while you're tapping on those points, you're processing some kind of emotionally laden material, right? So you are um, dealing with something, trauma, phobias, something that it might be really heavy, or even just something that might be a little lighter, like procrastination, fear of being seen, um, just avoidance strategies, you know, all those kind of things that keep us from doing things like writing a book, right? So you can tap and while you tap on your acupressure points, it sends a calming signal to the fight or flight part of your brain. And And it basically shuts it off because our brains can only be in either fight or flight or not basically, or what's known as our parasympathetic nervous system. You can't be in both at once. 
So it's an on off switch. And so if you are tapping while you're in this high, it's called high beta brainwave state, this high fight or flight, you tap long enough, the body eventually is like, all right, we keep getting this calming signal. We got to shut off and go into our alpha brainwave state or our parasympathetic non-fight or flight system. So that's basically how it works. I always say it's like pouring water on the fire of an emotion. That's basically what it okay. is. You're, All right. The tapping is the water. And you're yeah. <laughs> and, <laughs> yeah, I got you. I got you. And eventually, you know, the fire goes out because it has to. And the really cool thing actually about it is then a, a new neural pathway gets created. So if you have a fear of spiders and you tap on that fear, you will suddenly have this new neural pathway that says spiders are okay because instead of connecting to the fight or flight part of your brain, which is your mid and hind brain, that's why I'm pointing back here, mm-hmm. it connects up to your frontal lobe, which is your logic, reason, judgment part of your brain. There's no emotions up there. Okay. So suddenly you still have the same memory, no emotion. So mm-hmm. like for instance, with dating, if you're feeling like, oh my God, like all the guys my age out there suck. This is going to be terrible. Or, mm. you know, there's only, mm. you know, bad guys or scammers or whatever the the blanket belief is. It's kind of like has fear behind it. Right. So it's like this, you're afraid that you're going to find these awful guys. So if you tap on the fear of finding these awful guys, suddenly your brain opens up to this new neural pathway, which is, oh, there's actually, I feel hopeful. I feel like there's possibility out there. And, and then we can get into all the neuroscience that happens. But once you do that, certain things happen in your brain that you actually start to see different people. No shit. Well, so that's a foundation though, for kind of what, I don't know, I, I assume in your book, but also not just belief, but we talked about it. You work on yourself, your internal, and then what whatever is an internal, you will attract externally. Like if you're attracting, like if you're attracting a bunch of douchebags who just are those quote unquote scammers, a lot of time that's that's inner work than outer work. Or am I, well, I'm fucking crazy. I would say, or am I fucking crazy? But both can be true, right? Like that's, is that an accurate statement or am I wrong? That's a very accurate statement in my book. All those statements. <laughs> okay. All, all the above. The crazy and the inner work. Okay, gotcha. I've gotten to know you're crazy, <laughs> But it's a good crazy. Yeah. It's into my crazy. And we live. Simpatico. Simpatico. <laughs> uh, look, we've been matched today. Look at that. Do you see that? Yes, yes. I uh, don't stalk you. I didn't see what you were wearing to make sure. Although my undershirt's a little more hairy than yours. So that's the story. Thank God. <laughs> Thank God. Boy, you talk about attracting something different. There's a wildebeest. Um, <laughs> sorry. So so the inner work will help get the, the outer of what you're seeking done, right? Absolutely. Absolutely. So to, to go back to how the book came to be, that's the whole thing. I mean, that was the message that I knew I wanted to convey. And part of how I knew I wanted to convey that is because that's exactly what happened for me. Oh, no I, shit. Yeah, I was, uh, I was turning, well, I wasn't really turning 50, but I was, <laughs> I was 48 and a half. Okay, and all right. I do my own tapping work. I've been trained in this since 2014. So I've done it for a long time. I've had one-on-one clients for a long time. But I also work with a professional who is my mentor who taps with me. So we were tapping on my fear of turning 50. 
even though it was a year and a half out. I was like, I don't know what it is, but something's bothering me about it. So we just started tapping. And one of the cool things about tapping is it clears out the emotional gunk long enough for you to have insight and and get some uh, clues about different things. They call like sort of aha moments. So just great ideas can drop in when you tap because you're quieting that emotion center. So you're accessing that frontal lobe. That's basically how that happens. Okay. We start tapping and... I've learned now to just follow the clues, which are very random. And this one was um, Paul Ryan dropped in my head. And you may or may not remember, but he was a vice presidential candidate a few years back. And my mentor asked, "Why, why Paul Ryan? And I was like, you know, the only thing I can think of is we went to college together. And I remember that when he ran for vice president, I thought to myself, oh my God, here's someone my age running for vice president and I haven't done anything with my life. Like, <laughs> oh my <God. laughs> right? So it's like, I, I was finally at that age that like people were doing shit with their lives and I was feeling like I had it. So then we keep tabbing and then it's like, okay, what is it that you want to do with your life that you're afraid to do or haven't done and would like to do before you turn 50? And it was write this book. Write the book. No shit. No kidding. Then I had to clear on all my blocks and fears as to why I didn't want to write the book. You know, it's, I knew it would be very personal. I knew that that could be potentially embarrassing to my teenage boys, to myself, perhaps, you know, when you write something and you put it out there for public consumption, you don't know how people are going to respond and react. So there was just a lot of fears around that, but I tapped them all away. And as soon as they were, gone it was easy to write the book and i wrote the book within months of that so the fear like the fear of what people would think like your two biggest chapters are cinderella fucked me up and what goddess in the bedroom right those are the two biggest so and were those a part of the outline or did those just kind of organically oh shit so was that your fear like all right if the kids find out about these or especially the goddess in the bedroom you know, oh. that's where it came from. Oh, a hundred percent. Like even when my, before the, right before the book came out, my, at the time must've been 17 year old son said, Oh mom, when your book comes out, I'll read it. And I was like, Oh no, honey, no, thanks. Thanks for the story, but you don't have to read it. <laughs> you don't ever have to read it ever. Oh, shit. <laughs> I can see you thinking, hey, I'm going to audible that for you. And I'm just going to leave out these two chapters or this one chapter anyway. Let me audible it. That way you don't have to read it. And then, oh, yeah, perfect. I don't have that one. Yeah, exactly. So, well, you know, but, but I shouldn't got, have worked. Teenagers are self-centered and they don't. <laughs> teenagers, teenagers and half the people you probably met on the dating apps, right? Self-centered. Like I read your book and they read the back cover. I'm like, yeah, I know exactly what it's about. Yeah. That one chapter of that one time at bank. I don't know why I go to that one time at bank camp so much, but yeah, <laughs> that one. So how did you get there? Like, how did like, so the Cinderella fucked me up. You and I joked about that a lot when we did the thing. And, uh, and so just cause I think I, you know, I've heard it on your shows a lot. So in case anyone, what, what the fuck happened there? Tell me this one. Yeah, well, that one came to me. That chapter title came to me a long. That was one of the first things that came to me because I love it. Yeah, I mean, it really. I most people, most women do too, because I really think it speaks to a lot of women and men. And I even had like a married friend say, "Oh my god, I think I'm doing this with work." So it's just this whole idea that in Cinderella, Prince Charming was 
literally up on a stage <laughs> overlooking a sea of women and he was getting to choose which one he wanted right, right. And, and it sets up this dynamic and this idea that as women in the dating world we are supposed to be chosen and that we are supposed to be a certain appear a certain way be a certain way to be chosen and we don't necessarily think about doing the choosing and obviously when you're dating, I mean, it's obvious once you kind of clear out that old belief, but it's like, yeah, you should be discerning. They should be discerning. Everybody should be discerning. Just like when you go on a job interview, you want them to like you and hire you, but you also want to see if you actually want to work there. Yeah. And I realized I was going on job interviews like that, but I was not going on dates like that. No yeah. I was going on dates, really hoping to be chosen and and I think there's also two other really dangerous ideas that come out of Cinderella, which is this concept that all the, you know, the stepsisters are kind of like elbowing each other out of the way and that there's this competition amongst women for men. And I do see it amongst single women my age that there's a, a certain amount of, of, I don't know what it is. Yeah. Competition basically like, well, who are you, who are you, who did you swipe on and who are you talking to and who, you know, and just this, a little bit of this um, nudging each other out of the way kind of dynamic that can happen. That's obviously really toxic. And it's like, okay, I'm pretty sure everybody just wants one partner. Well, not everybody. Okay, not but... everybody. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, for sure. The majority of people are yeah. looking for one guy. Right. And so it's like, you don't have to like cutthroat your, you know, neighbor, you know, you don't have to like knock, knock down her, her off her pedestal just so you get all the attention from all the guys online. If you just really want one partner, you know, that's all, that's all you need. So, so there's that dynamic that I think is very toxic in our society of just pitting women against each other. And then the third thing is in the movie, Prince Charming does not choose from the sea of women out there trying to get his attention he chooses right. from this distant woman off looking away like not you know paying any attention to him and so i think it also sets up this thing where i know a lot of women do this where maybe they'll be out somewhere and they'll see a guy that they're attracted to and they sort of freeze which is normal that's us going in fight flight or freeze but then they sort of look away and do this distant Cinderella thing, right? Like I'm going to be aloof and somehow he will magically be attracted to me then. Oh no, it doesn't work like that. It doesn't work like that. And I'm always telling my clients that. And like, you can speak to this as the guy, right? Like guys need some kind of signal to come up to you. They need to know that you are open to being approached. Yeah. Yeah. Like, I mean, I, I I'll talk to almost anybody, but if I'm I don't know. We'll just do the across the room and I'm looking and she's looking away. I'm like, why is that fucking hummingbird more fucking impressive than I am? That sucks, you know, or whatever she's looking at. And I'll be like, all right. So it's not like you're, you're rating. She's going to be the first one I talk to or the last one I talk to. But if there's some sort of engagement, it's definitely like, OK, cool. You know, let's go have a conversation and see what happens. But yeah, if there is no like sort of invitation, I mean, I still might, but I'm you did get not there's other ones I would probably rather talk to first. Right. Right. And yeah. that kind of goes back to what we were saying about changing on the inside draws yeah. things to you on the outside. Right. Because if you walk into a room and your energy is sort of open and approachable and rather than kind of walking into a room, feeling closed off and shut down and sure. 
I think most people know what I mean by that. It's like if somebody walks in a room in a bad mood, you're like, ooh, I'm staying away from them, right? Yeah. Why would it be any different with dating? And so if you kind of go into these situations and you're already annoyed or you're already negative in your head thinking like, this is going to be all the same lame guys or whatever, (laughs) whatever you're telling yourself, then there might be one great guy in that crowd. But if you're have a scowl on your face or you're walking uh, you know, around with your shoulders real tight and kind of like, you know, what's the word sort of like just closed off. Yeah. That guy's not going to talk to you. He's not going to approach you and you won't even see him either because you're so busy being closed off. You're not yeah. open yeah. and you're not you know, enjoying yourself. And, and there's nothing sexier in my opinion than a woman who is happy and enjoying herself and just in her element, right. Kind of shining. Mm -hmm. And so that's one of the big things I do talk about in the book is you need to just live your best life and you become magnetic in doing that in living your best life, rather than always going out there on the hunt. Or always living, like always sort of waiting for, I know a lot of women will say, oh, I don't want to go on vacation to that place. Um, You know, I had a friend this summer who we talked about going to Cape Cod and she's like, well, I don't want to go to Cape Cod. No offense, but I don't want to go with you because I really, I feel like that's like a romantic place to go. And I'd like to go with a partner. (laughs) Like, okay. Wow. You got shut down quick on that one. That's unfortunate. <laughs> yeah. No. But it's a, yeah. Women, go ahead. They, you know, they like a lot of women, I think, think, well, I'll wait and do that when I find my partner. It's like, mm. don't wait. Don't wait. Life's too yeah. short. Go out there and live. And you might actually find your person while you're going out there and living your life. Right. So yeah. that aspect, though, like the whole dating part that you're talking about, live your best life, do all that, that has to be in. I don't have the audible version yet, but that has to be the same as the goddess in the bedroom type, right? Or chapter like, uh, and I'm guessing, but I just letting go and just enjoying and being the moment. And that's what it turns into or tell me to go friend myself that I'm completely wrong. Nope. That's, that's, you're completely right. So yeah, that's exactly. Glad this is being recorded. (laughs) (laughs) evidence of you being right right there's this one time yeah this one time yeah the whole the whole goddess in the bedroom chapter is really sort of twofold the number one thing i talk about is mindfulness which is for anyone who doesn't know i think most people know nowadays because it's all over the news but being present in the moment moment to moment but it's really a little bit further than that which is really being in your body and not in your head and so when we are always thinking, 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 we get stressed out and we are wound up and we are tense and things like that. And none of that is good in sex, right? Like, no, 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 there's no fun there. No fun. So when you get out of your head and start really getting mindful being in your body, then you're just enjoying it and you're just going along with the moment. So for some people, I'll describe it like if you ever um, have laughed with a baby, you know, you, mm. you just, like they laugh and you laugh and you're just in it and you're not thinking, oh, this baby is this, that or the other usually, right? You're just 
in the moment, you're really present and you're feeling the joy from that baby. And then you're feeling joy inside of you. And it's like a magical, and it feels sort of timeless. These, these really present moments feel kind of timeless, right? We get lost in it. And that's the idea is doing that in the bedroom, in intimacy is really getting lost in it. So feeling your partner, like run his fingers along your skin and really feeling that and not thinking in your head, like, I wonder what he's going to want to do next. I wonder I wonder when he's going to be done. I'm kind of tired. I'm this and that. I wonder if he likes my body with the lights on, blah, 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 blah. Like all that chatter is like no good, no good for anybody. So get out of the chatter part of your brain, get into the moment and just feel what you're feeling physically, the physical sensations that's, and you have to kind of keep bringing yourself back to it because your mind will go. It's just like meditation, you know, meditation, your mind goes, you bring it back to the breath right? And they say, that's the muscle you got to exercise in meditation is always going back to the breath. So with this practice, mindful in the bedroom, you just always have to go back to feeling the physical sensations that you're feeling. And so one thing that happens though, that's hard for a lot of women when, when you do that is you're really giving up control and you're really having to receive and you're just having to, you know, let your man give you pleasure and receive it. And most guys, good guys love that. But Mm. most women are so not used to that. We're so used to doing for and Mm. thinking about, um, oh, this feels good, but now I'm going to have to reciprocate or soon I'm going to have to reciprocate or he's been doing this for too long. I better reciprocate right now. You know, so those are all head thoughts. Not helpful. (laughs) Not, not helpful. So just in your body, you know, until something natural moves you into a different direction and not your thinking that moves you into a different direction. So that's what I was going to ask. So is it like a graduated scale? Once you, once you've overcome and all right, you're out of your head, like the lights on always seems like it's a big one. Yeah. Um, but, and, and you're used to receiving the touch. Is that when you can kind of move to, um, you know, just, just enjoying more of, of give and take than just receive. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. That's when it becomes more natural because when you're really in the moment, just like with that, with that laughing with the, with the baby yeah, you know? yeah. and you start playing with the baby and you're not thinking like, Oh, I'm going to try to make this baby laugh more. You just are right. And so it's like, it's like that. It's like when you're just really in it and when you're receiving a lot of pleasure and by the way, women are much more likely to orgasm Mm. when they practice this. So if women, if there's any women listening who can't orgasm or you struggle with orgasming, this is the key. This Mm. will get you orgasming all over the place, which is great because we can do it a lot of times. And so (laughs) you show off like a guy does it once and he's like, I need a fucking nap. A girl does it like seven times. She's like, Hey, you need a sandwich? I'm good. Let's just go get burgers or something. I'm sitting there going, I just, I just want to (laughs) sleep. Exactly. So that's the other thing is that. If you're not in a rush to get your guy to orgasm, then you're going to get a lot more pleasure too. And most guys like, you know, they don't necessarily want to just be like done quick and done. Right. I mean, it's the, the fun of it is the back and forth and the, um, you know, giving and receiving of pleasure and all that. And so when you're really in the moment, it becomes natural. And then you want to do that for your partner. And it's no longer a chore. And it's no longer about like, when is this getting done? You know, it's just, it's just fun. And it's pleasurable. And it builds intimacy. And so here's the thing. 
there are a lot of, I'm not just going to say women in this case, men, but I work with women, women who are afraid of intimacy. And so if you're afraid of intimacy, then this is going to be a hard practice for you. Hmm. That's, that's a whole different thing to work on. Tapping then. comes in. See? Yeah. Oh, makes and sense. we tap away the fear of intimacy. We tap away the uh, resistance to receiving. We tap away the uh, fear of how does my body look with the lights on? Yeah. We tap away all of those things so that you can do this practice. And once you tap away those underlying things, it's easy to be mindful in the bedroom. So okay. easy to hear that stuff. That's awesome. I, I guess as a guy and I shit, I'm not a normal guy. I'm lots of fucked up stuff. So whatever. But like you're talking about the, um, you know, sex shouldn't be like, Hey, whoever finishes first wins. Okay. I mean, never, ever, ever. It is not a race to the finish. Like it is like, I like if there is multiple, I don't know, orgasms that's the beautiful fucking thing that is like i mean that's the goal it's like you're not going out for french toast you're like going out to have orgasms and toe curling and just like oh my gosh remember that one time and as as a guy like it like maybe in high school guys were like oh yeah i can't wait to have the sex and now i mean it really should be i can't wait to multiple pleasure I and mean, multiple yeah. multiple pleasure that's 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 the end game that's where everybody should feel good about it, it should be the funnest thing on the fucking planet because one day we may not be able to do it so you might as well enjoy it while you can <laughs> yeah maybe 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 Although, maybe yeah. i mean i i do know this this um sex and relationship coach who talks about three hour sex dates are like key for every couple once a week three hour sex dates and sure. her couples are well into their 60s that she's working with so you know maybe even beyond i don't know some of them look up there so you know never know <laughs> thank goodness we have this at our disposal where our our oh, i don't want to say my parents i don't even want to think about that but i was saying my parents <laughs> couldn't do this but now i i think i just threw up in my mouth um <laughs> See, <laughs> my book yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you missed that chapter so one of the questions like i had kind of ties into this and that we didn't get to is it a hard conversation about contraceptive and, uh, uh, about to start yeah like you know yes, what I, yeah. I do talk about that in my book yeah it's interesting to me because the reason i put this in my book was because i had so many middle-aged single women, and I'm talking 40s and 50s, um, that were friends of mine that said to me, well, how do you talk about safe sex? And I was like, what do you mean? Like, <laughs> talk about it. like I was confused by the question. And then I realized, oh, okay, occupational hazard. I'm a therapist. I'm used sure. to having hard conversations with people about uncomfortable topics for 20 years, you know? So I, it occurred to me that, okay, this is something I need to write about in the book because it is hard for women. And I think that what is really, though, important about having those conversations when you're dating is it's actually a boundary setting practice. And it actually makes you much more respected and attractive to a potential man when you set limits and boundaries. Sure. Nobody, no guy wants to date a doormat. And so if you are feeling at all uncomfortable with having unprotected sex, which 
if you don't know the guy very well and you don't know his sexual history, you should be. (laughs) That's a a valid fear. (laughs) Yeah, for sure. Then you need to have a conversation about, hey, unless and until we are monogamous and we've both gotten tested, I use condoms. That's my rule. And then stick to it. So if you if you put that out there and then things get hot and heavy and you just cave, now he sees you as someone who is not able to hold up boundaries. And the thing is, is that it sounds like, oh, then, okay, then that guy is just a jerk if he if he went along with it too. And, and then he holds it against you that you didn't hold up your boundaries. But yeah. the thing is, is it's much psychologically deeper than that. Because a man wants to feel safe with his woman, psychologically, emotionally safe. And if he sees you as someone who cannot keep a boundary around whatever it is, it doesn't matter what it is, then at a subconscious level, he's going to get this little red flag going like she's not safe. She can't hold my feelings, my emotions. She can't be sort of trusted to be my safe person, to be my special person. And it's a lot of it is very, very subconscious. And I think sometimes that's why guys will push limits with women to see, they want to see where, where are you going to draw the line and the whole being a goddess in the bedroom, being a goddess is someone who's very powerful, who is very clear in who she is, who expects to be worshiped, not in like a snotty way, but like in an empowered, like, yeah, I'm awesome. And I deserve this kind of way. Mm -hmm. And that is a goddess. And so a goddess would not say, oh, you don't have a condom. Well, okay. Forget my rule. No, go to the store and get a condom, right? Or a goddess would have condoms, you know, on hand and say, here you go, but next time you bring, you know, whatever it is. So, that is, it's it's seemingly like a, um, an insignificant thing to bend on, but it's actually a very significant thing to bend on. Yeah, as you unpack that, it's like, oh shit, I didn't even think about that. Like the guarding of feelings and emotions, like I wouldn't have thought about it that way. But yeah, I, I don't think anybody wants to have or be with somebody they could walk all over. I mean, if they do, it's just an unhealthy relationship and it's fucked anyway. Um, the... Uh, Younger, younger women. Um, obviously, it happens to younger women too. And I think the the funniest response, which you can kick me for later, you know, when we see each other or whatever, um, is a guy says he doesn't have a condom, and she says the woman says it's okay. I'm ready to be a mother. Guy will have a condom really quick if you say that. <laughs> but different as you get older. I just I thought the line was funny, and I'm like, all right, I got to share. But yeah, I mean, the, the guys be like, whoa, see what happened there was I. But yeah, yeah. I mean, hey, <laughs> you can even pull that out at midlife too, I suppose. Like, oh, yeah, another yeah. baby. <laughs> <laughs> sure. Oh, you're the one I've been looking for. All right, I'm ready. Let's do this, dude. We'll have one quick. Um, but yeah. the guarding of the feelings and the guarding of the emotions, like I, I like that a lot. There's so much as you're dating. There's just so much. Um uh insecurity and you're not sure of what's out there so if you can find that that comfort that's a big fucking deal my opinion no it's a huge deal and it goes back to what you were saying at the beginning about 
when you change from the inside, you attract in different things from the outside. So if you have been someone in dating who has maybe put up with things you shouldn't have, or um, kind of like gotten breadcrumbs or something, I say from a guy, mm-hmm. then you're going to continue to attract in guys that only want to give you breadcrumbs. And then you accept that. And then they see that you do. And so then they'll hang around for a little while, but at some point they're going to realize this thing that I'm saying, like, she's not, I can't trust her to be the strength that I'm going to need sometimes. And so he will walk away. And that's when guys who will give breadcrumbs, give breadcrumbs, give breadcrumbs. And then eventually they, they pull away. And the woman is devastated because she's thinking this whole time I was sort of catering to you, putting up with your breadcrumbs, thinking you would come around, thinking you would change, but a, most people don't change a whole lot. B, they have to want to change. You cannot change someone else. Mm-hmm. And C, if you are firm with your boundaries and limits from the get-go, it's going to do one of two things. It is either going to get the guy to step up to the plate from the get-go, or it's going to make him leave out of your life. And if you fear that there's no other good guys out there, you're going to feel devastated about that. You're going to desperately chase that. You're going to have all these things. But if you tap away the fear and you just start to really get centered in, there's 8 billion people on this planet. Yeah, for sure. A lot of them are single. Yeah. (laughs) Like this is the only guy for me, right? And so if clear that fear and that's hard to do, but that's where the tapping is, comes in. When you clear that fear, then suddenly when that guy walks away, because you've set boundaries, you're like, okay, thank you next. Yeah. And then the next guy that shows up, guess what? He's a little healthier because now yeah. you're a little healthier and yeah. like attract. Like, so you attract in someone vibing at your same frequency. And so if your frequency is, I'm not going to put up with shit, you're going to get guys who would not give you shit. But if your frequency is down here of like, I'll take what I can get. You're going to get guys who will narrow in on that and be attracted into that and, and, you know, potentially use you and all these painful things that we go through in dating sometimes. Yeah. And I'm uh, frequency and vibration. I think are fucking real for sure. Like you put that out there and it will come back to you. And then like I've said a few times and it's all my, all my degrees are Facebook degrees. So that's there. That's how real my degrees are. But like when I, when people try to change someone else, the first thing I think about is how hard is it for you to change a behavior in yourself? There's no fucking way you're going to change a behavior in somebody else. Absolutely. You know, stop eating Oreos. Try working on that behavior first and then go to trying to change somebody else. Cause you put a cold ass glass of milk and a double stuff in front of me and I'm screwed. Um <laughs> Well, and the other thing is, is like, I know sometimes when we talk about frequency and stuff, people think it's woo-woo. But first of all, if you study quantum physics, it is not woo-woo. Second of all, if you look at the research, I'm reading this book right now, Power of Eight by Lynn McTaggart, and it's mind-blowing, the power Mm. of um, intention setting by a group and how much more powerful they are like healing people physically. Mm. It's it's wild. And this is all science-backed. But the other thing I always love to talk about is the reticular activating system. Oh, I have this here too. Sorry, sorry. go on. Yes. Yes. And that actually explains part of what might sound woo-woo, like you change on the inside and what you see on the outside changes. But it is not woo-woo. It is a reticular activating system. Right. That's the part of our brains that when you decide you're going to buy a Jeep, 
suddenly you see a Jeep like every other car on the road, right? Right. And you think to yourself, were those always here all along? Or am I, you know, like what's happening? Well, no, they were there all along. But your RAS is the part of your brain responsible for filtering out information. I mean, we get bombarded by tons of information all day, every day. Our brains would fry if we took it all in. So we have this filter system in our brains that filter out what it feels to be irrelevant and tunes into what it feels to be relevant. So if, for example, you were raised with a parent who had sort of a hot and cold emotional unavailability, let's say, then your brain sort of encoded the fact that emotional unavailability equals love. And so you go out there and you're in a bar and there's a guy who is sort of emotionally unavailable and maybe even acting hot and cold or it's very subtle or whatever, you're going to, your RAS is going to be like, Ooh, that guy's attractive. Right. But when you do the work and you clear out some of those childhood wounds and, and some of the roots of that unhealthy relationship pattern that you grew up with, you go out to that same bar. Suddenly you're not attracted to those guys. Suddenly you're seeing other guys who were there all along. And I love to share this story from my book of a woman who lived in a high rise building in New York for about eight years. And she had been dating jerks for a long time and not being treated very well. And she did a lot of work and she did tapping and she did some Reiki and all sorts of different things. A lot of uh, deep personal work on herself. And one day she gets in the elevator and she sees this guy who is very objectively handsome. I've seen him. (laughs) (laughs) She had never saw him before that day. It's pretty shocking. So she in the elevator and she sees this guy and he starts chatting with her and asks her out to coffee. And then they begin dating and he treats her like an absolute queen. And they have this great relationship, great intimacy. And about three months into the relationship, he tells her, you know, I saw you all those years on that elevator. And I always wanted to ask you out, but I was too shy and you never really seemed to notice me. Really? So, and that's the first time she like really like saw that he was like, didn't even see him before in her inner mind. Didn't even see him before. No shit. Never even noticed him. You know, you sent, you text me that um, video about the water, um, the, the water thing. I sent that um, to uh, my uncle and my cousin are both chiropractors. Uh, so I sent that to them and they're like, yeah, they showed this in chiropractic college when they went, I was like, no shit. So, uh, I was like, that was cool. And, and well, I'm sure everybody who's listening is going, what the fuck are you guys talking about? So can you explain the video, please? I'm sorry. Yeah. Yeah. So there was a researcher out of Japan who wanted to look at the frequency of certain words and images with combined with water. And so he would put words like, let's say, I love you on a glass of water. And then he would take a sample of that water, freeze it. And then with this very sort of high tech um, microscope, they would slice a bit of that frozen. um, I think it was like a, like a, what's it called? (laughs) When it's a cylinder. Oh, yeah. Okay. All right. So they would slice the cylinder and they would look at it under the microscope. 
And what he found was very, very interesting. You can go on YouTube and, and you'll see the images. It's all over the place. The way the water crystallized when it had something positive on it, whether it was a word or an image or whatever, was in these beautiful snowflake patterns, these very um, symmetrical patterns. And if the word was hate or it was a picture of pollution or something like that, what they saw under the microscope was this like hodgepodge, not no symmetry whatsoever, like kind of mess, right? Like jumble of like nasty lookingness. And so the the idea that the researcher had about this is like we are 70% water. Exactly. Give or and so if we are thinking negative thoughts or surrounding ourselves in negative environments, what is that doing to the cells in our body? If this is what it's doing to those water cells with just simply a word, yeah. you know? Yeah, so, yeah that's it's crazy. Really powerful. It really makes you rethink. For me, it made me rethink everything I put in my body and definitely working on my thoughts. And for instance, like I would not, I, since that time on, I would not drink angry orchard. <laughs> said that. that made me laugh. I'm like, are all you drinking a smart water? What are you doing over there? I know. <laughs> <laughs> Might as well, but it's true. Like, I mean, like I know a lot of people won't buy into it and I, you know, whatever that's on them. Like I totally do. I think like we're talking vibration and all that stuff. It's a real thing. And if we are that much water, like you'll see the happier people, they're built a different way. It's not because they have perfect lives and things are great, you know, or, or anything. It really is a true thing. It's yeah. that was cool. I was, and the response I got from my cousin was awesome. It's like, Oh yeah, I love this thing. I've seen it in college. Like, Oh shit. My Facebook degree yeah. didn't get me there. Um, <laughs> um, so one thing I wanted to ask too, and it kind of went back to what you were saying about a few minutes ago, um, ghosting and the fear of abandonment. You've talked about this, I think, on one of your other shows that you're on. Maybe it was your fifth podcast you were on. I don't know. But just some of the content. Is, so um, like, have you run into that? Like, like what, like that's, like people are worried about this. This is a real thing and ghosting's huge. Yeah, for sure. It is huge. And I mean, this is where it's a little tricky because some people aren't going to want to hear this, but it really has to do with you on the inside, mm -hmm. as you were saying at the very beginning, because if you keep attracting whatever experience it is, but if you keep attracting an experience over and over to a statistically improbable point, let's say, then that is something going on in you that is attracting that in. And we had a client that we worked with in my program who was who was getting ghosted by every single guy she met online. She would meet a guy, wow. they'd start chatting, he'd ghost her. And maybe she'd go on a date, he'd ghost her. I mean, it was statistically very improbable how many times this was happening to this woman. Poor girl. So, so one of the things that we do in the program is we really work on changing mindset on almost like brainwashing ourselves into a different self-concept because the self-concept that you have now is one of a single person. And there might be all sorts of reasons for that, but whatever it is, you're subconsciously more committed to being single than to being in a partnership. Okay. And that's a hard pill for people to swallow too. But once you get that, once you get that idea, everything can change for you. And so for this woman, what we had her do was just listen every day 
to this meditation. I am chosen. It's, you know, over and over, she just listened to it when she went to bed at night, when she was up and doing chores around the house, she would just listen to this over and over. And within 10 days of listening to that, she meets a guy online. He's amazing. They hit it off. They totally like they're still together. It's been over a year. Um, So yeah, it's like he just showed up almost like out of nowhere once she started changing, almost like brainwashing herself to feel chosen. Because if you feel like you have to be the one to earn someone else's love, then you're going to keep attracting in people who are going to give you the opportunity to work on earning their love. But if you feel on the inside, I am already chosen, I am already worthy, then you're going to attract in someone who sees you as already chosen and already worthy. Their reticular activating right. system is now going to find you. Yeah. <laughs> and that's that can be a great partner for you then. I love it. I mean, like it's it's right up. I mean, I guess it's just all right up the alley and what I innately believe or have learned over the years through life, but in my Facebook degrees, I guess got to keep using that line. <laughs> but it's true. Like it's, it, you know, Eeyore was alone for a fucking reason. Um, <laughs> <laughs> That's so good. <laughs> you, you, whatever. I, I have not patented anything. So you can use whatever you want. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That kind of sums it up, right? Like, right. Knows. Uh, yeah yeah like christopher robbins like i'm getting the fuck out of here bro winnie the pooh and i are hanging out you are you are done son um i <laughs> want to make sure you were and don't even realize it like that's the thing you know <laughs> oh the victim mentality like that's that's it in a nutshell it's like the world is against me and that's just, just so not true right but your reticular activating system will continue to show you evidence that the world is against you yeah when that's you're- true that's the problem. Um, inspired life tapping. Are you just up there in um, the greater Chicago area or what's up? Uh, well, I have an online course, an there eight week go. online course where um, we work together as a group of eight women because of this, all this research on, on eight setting intention and, and amplifying each other's intentions. And it's really a course of, that it's going to be very immersive in changing your self-concept around dating so that you can attract in these different guys. And so we use EFT tapping in it to clear blocks and fears, but we also do a lot of other neuro-linguistic programming, manifesting techniques, stuff like that, that we do. And I run those cohorts every, every few months. So there's probably one coming up soon. <laughs> Yeah, you can find me at um, inspiredlifetapping.com, learn to date like a goddess.com. And at both of my websites, any of your listeners can go ahead and sign up for a free download of my book and check it out and start to get familiar with the concepts and see if you either that's enough for you and that can help you shift your dating life. Or if you want more, you can join the course. Either way, I am always happy to work with people who are happy to work with me. And I'm super thrilled when I get stories from people saying they read my book and all of a sudden different guys started showing up for them. And that has yeah. happened a number of times now. So it's very, very uh, Yeah. Well, and, and I don't know if I said it, but it is the exact title. It is uh, Find Love Again, Learn to Date Like a Goddess, right? Or am I wrong? Oh. That's that's the title. Okay. Because I, 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 I know I kept saying Learn to Date Like a Goddess, but... I don't think I threw the find love again part in there. So that's, that's awesome. They can find you. You are definitely worth finding. I love your perspective. Thanks. 
Thank you for being along for the ride of Swipe the Swipe Wrong podcast. Remember, everyday people telling everyday stories of the swipe right world. Uh, the show is uh, produced by Jay Pelham. He is the host of Pelham Place. Uh, so make sure to check that out. Also, I am uh, Chaos, the host of Chaotic Commentary. Make sure to like, subscribe, follow, tell a friend about the pod. Uh, and uh, if you have uh, something that you want to share, please, please, we want to hear from everybody and get everybody's stories as much as we possibly can. Uh, email us at swipewrongpod at gmail.com. Uh, give us a call. Leave us a voicemail. Let us know if it's okay to call you back. 317-426-6616. Thanks for being along for the ride. And next week, uh, the saga continues.